0: This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free, so you don't have to worry about monthly hosting fees. It has built-in creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Or you can record and edit using your favorite audio recording software and upload it straight to Anchor. Anchor will also distribute your podcast, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox... You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and Anchor will even match you with advertisers as your audience grows. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, Anchor is a pretty great place to start. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's ancho rfm to get started.
1: a homie. I respect him. You're listening to Two Leaves in a Trenchcoat. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Madison. And today, I'm making good on that threat I made, like, two (laughs) episodes ago, and I'm gonna talk about Death Note. Oh, boy. And this is probably gonna be a two-parter, because there's so much going on.
0: wow. Okay.
1: (laughs) Well, okay, listen. (laughs) Listen. There's a lot where you could just talk about, like, the characters and the story, and then... All of the allegories and the metaphors and, like, the symbolism is a whole nother fucking episode. Okay. We'll see if I want to put in that effort. I'm not entirely sure yet. Okay, so I guess I'll just crack open this bottle of wine now. Honestly. So, what do you know about Death Note?
0: <laughs> what do I know about Death Note?
1: My wonder. I have a very vivid memory of being in
0: second year... And... What's that for us Americans? (laughs) (laughs) I was 12, so... Okay. 7th grade? Just about. Okay. And I had just gotten into anime, and then I somehow discovered Death Note, like, I think a year after it had already ended, but it was still booming on DeviantArt. Mm Mm-hmm. So I found it in, like, three parts on YouTube, And was solidly obsessed with it for a full two weeks. Would not shut up about it. Was super annoying about it. (laughs) Obviously, I watched it fan-sobbed on YouTube.
1: The way to watch it, though, honestly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think the reason I was so fascinated by it is because it's a show about this kid who's supposed to be, like, normal and popular and, like... The last person you'd expect to go evil, which now, if you described someone who looks like light, I would be instantly suspicious.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd be like, (laughs) I don't trust this boy.
0: But I think what makes Death Note so compelling to so many people is that it does that thing where it questions who deserves to die and who should decide when other people die and what is a crime that's egregious enough to deserve death. Yeah. And, like, what happens to that person who, like, designates themselves a god? What happens when humans get too close to having powers that they really shouldn't have? Mm-hmm. And the people I don't trust are the ones who say that light was right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. But yeah, I assume this is going to be a. Uh, episode full of spoilers so if you haven't seen death note you definitely absolutely should go watch it yeah like like, immediately like i'm
1: not gonna wait until the end to say go watch it like i did for (laughs) Hidoro. like go watch death note it's
0: pause this episode go watch death note
1: at least watch a like a synopsis or if you don't want to watch the whole series but you should because it's good like honestly if you like watch the first
0: episode everyone if you're not interested after that I think the first episode is a very good intro into the actual show.
1: Yeah, because usually a lot of people completely turn off yeah. <laughs> from the first episode. But I think
0: the first episode does a very good <laughs> job of, like, setting up the kind of character that Light is, what the story is going to be like. Like, obviously there are turns in it, but, like, yeah. I was instantly hooked by the end of that first episode. Oh, same. I think it sets up the story very well because the people who created it definitely knew how to write a compelling story.
1: Yeah, very, very, very much so. And then it's like there's the there's the camp of people who watch the first episode and immediately are like, this is stupid and turn it off and never watch it. No, Which honestly who are like, they? fair though, because rewatching it, I'm like, okay, I can see how most people would be like, This sucks actually. But it's mostly just because light is insufferable. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. Piece of shit. Hate it's super annoying.
1: It's on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he's insufferable on purpose. Mm-hmm. It's a part of the story. But for some quick background, just because some people may have only, like, watched the anime or read the manga and not know that there's, like, light novels and video games and, <laughs> I mean, I talked about the musical. Death Note is written by Tsugumi Oba and illustrated by Takashi Obata, which always confused me as a kid when I was reading the manga because I was like, their their names are so similar. and I felt really bad that I would always, like, get them mixed up yeah i mean they're like two to names right yeah they're both to oba and obata is like
0: <laughs> and one of them's a pseudonym, so like nobody yeah. actually knows who was it the writer i think
1: the illustrator illustrator yeah let me double check that it's one of them um It's the writer, yeah. Tsugumi Oba is a pseudonym, and and no one knows who they are, which is crazy that it's still... It's now 2021, and people still haven't, like, figured out who the actual author working under the pseudonym for Death Note is.
0: I mean, I think it's interesting how many... This is kind of a side note, but how many people work in manga who, if they do not want their identities out there, they usually hide them very well.
1: Yeah. You just don't know who they are. I think that's honestly probably a lot to do with Japan's specific culture of, like, politeness. Mm. Like, if you want your personal life respected, it's more built in to allow that than, I don't know, here, where people will try and hunt you down and find out everything about you and dox you, I guess. That's also just internet culture, so. Yeah, I think there's a difference between the way,
0: if you are in any way famous to any degree it's a lot harder to keep your personal life under wraps. Because I know that with Mm -hmm. idols in Japan, like their whole thing is like, well, they kind of like have a persona that they put out and like that's the character that they kind of create for fans. And it's a lot harder for them to have Mm -hmm. personal lives because they're kind of under contract.
1: Yeah, like there's that whole, I remember reading that, you sign a contract that you literally cannot have a partner outside of work because a single Mm -hmm. pretty cute young girl sells better.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is pretty fucked up.
1: Ooh! (laughs) Ooh, yeah, it's (laughs) gross. It's icky. Idol culture is one of just those sort of strange phenomenons, and, like, it's, you know, not a whole lot different from the weird celebrity cult of personality that we have over in the West, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I don't think anyone is under a contract to not have a personal life outside of work, Mm -hmm. which is sort of the very big difference between the two. Yeah, But getting back on track. (laughs) But no, I think it's, I think it is really interesting that there are a couple more like magaka that work under pseudonyms or just don't reveal anything about their personal lives and you just, you don't know anything and that's Just how Mm -hmm. it is. The manga ran from December 1st, 2003 to May fifteenth, two 2006.
0: That was a pretty short run.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's only 12 volumes. Mm -hmm. It's very, very short compared to, I mean, anything else that we've talked about, which was years longer than three. (laughs) But it's 12 volumes long, plus the volume 13 which was called How to Read, which was behind-the-scenes look at the characters, the story, and commentary from the creators. I have that volume. I haven't cracked it open in a long time, but I kept it when I went through all of my old books. The thing that I really liked about the manga is that the cover art is so striking and like Mm -hmm. almost biblical and done in a way that sort of plays on the aesthetics of like really... Intense, like, religious fresco paintings or, like, stained glass. Yeah,
0: Kind of like religious renaissance paintings.
1: Yeah! Like, there's a... Y'all, this show, this property has a lot of religious imagery. Like, it's not subtle. You're supposed to draw connections with it, and that's a big part of the story. But the actual art from the artist is just... It's so pretty to look at. It's still so... His style is just very incredibly elegant Mm -hmm. to look at. I don't know a better descriptor than that. Like, everyone is very pretty. And it's, like, all of the backgrounds and stuff are very detailed. But not, like, pretty to the point where it's, like, unbelievable. Like, you have very
0: realistic characters. Yeah. I think that, like, yeah, the art style is very elegant. I never had all of the volumes, but I definitely had volume, like, 7, I think, that has L on the cover, Mm -hmm. just because the cover was so pretty. Mm -hmm. And I think... The artist did such an incredible job putting all of these intricate details into this manga that don't distract from the overall story and still kind of ground it, even though it has that fantastical element of the Death Note.
1: Yeah, and my favorite thing about the manga volumes too for the completed series is that on each of the spines of the volumes, there's a little picture of each of the Mm. the, the 12 different Shinigami in the series. Shinigami means... At least in relation to Death Note, it is literally a god of death, a creature of death. It is a death spirit. There were more unnamed background ones, but like the main 12 that we saw in any panels in the death realm were featured on the spines of the books, which I always really liked. Mm -hmm. It got a 37-episode anime series produced by Madhouse. From October 2006 to June 2007. So literally the same year that the manga ended, they started the show.
0: I think, like, obviously it was a smart decision because then you already know how the story is going to end. So you don't have to do that thing that other anime have had to do where they had to do filler to not override yeah. whatever's happening in the manga. Or, like, full Metal Alchemist. Like, the first anime that kind of just kind of made up ooh. its own ending because the manga wasn't finished
1: yet 2003 full metal alchemist my beloved <laughs> but also like ooh, it's a little bit of a train wreck by the end they sort of <laughs> wrote themselves into a hole yeah. that's a whole nother episode i will talk about that because i still there are still aspects of the 2003 fma that i really like but mm. it's it's not as good as like brotherhood which mm. followed the manga completely yeah I also think it was really smart that they started the anime series the same year that the manga ended because then that was still capitalizing on the relatively current popularity Mm -hmm. of the manga. And after, actually during the run of the show, Death Note was adapted into three live action films. I love them. I have them on DVD. (laughs) Released in Japan in June 2006. So before the anime came out. Mm -hmm. In between the anime coming out and the manga finishing, they made a live-action movie. They made a sequel that came out in November 2006, which was, I believe, the second half of the manga. And then the final one came out in February 2008. And a television drama that released in 2015, I have not seen it. I believed you mentioned something about it being terrible, though.
0: Dude, it's so fucking bad. It's so bad. (laughs) It's pretty much like they took the concept of the Death Note... And they kept the names of the characters, and then nothing else. L El is a completely oh. different. He's like this rich boy who's super no! obnoxious. They take no! away all of the quirky stuff that made him such a lovable character that made him a neurodivergent icon. Yeah, so you know how <laughs> L is like kind of an asshole, but like yeah, you love him anyway. He's just an asshole. Yeah, in the drama, he's just all dick, no heart of gold. Uh, it's awful. Uh. <laughs> light in the drama is an idiot like he, he's a regular person which makes it way less interesting because he's kind of just I'm like sorry. stumbling through life and not getting caught through sheer luck instead of like any actual oh. planning on his part oh i hate that i like the idea of like a character in light's position as like a regular person but yeah it just
1: but didn't they also just end up doing that with like Death Note, another note where like just some kid gets it <laughs> anyway.
0: Yeah, but are you talking about like the kind of recent like spin off one shot? Yeah. Yeah, well, that was interesting because the character in that actually is also intelligent, but also like uses the Death Note just to fuck around and not because he oh has an God. agenda. He's just kind of like, oh, sick, I have this power. Let's see how much chaos I can cause in like the oh, course of like six no. months. Yeah, I think also the Netflix live action tried to Oh, make... I'm ge- I'm
1: getting there. I'm getting there. Because the next bullet point on my note is unfortunately, <laughs> an American film adaptation was released exclusively on Netflix in August of 2017, and even more unfortunately, <laughs> a sequel is reportedly in the works. I don't know if this has been affected by current world events, but dear god, it I hope be. not. I hope it doesn't get made. Yeah, I...
0: Up to this point, have we ever had a American live-action adaption of an anime that hasn't been hot garbage? Because
1: the last one I remember no. is
0: Dragon Ball Evolution, which was a hot mess.
1: No, Hollywood cannot for the life of it, make good video game adaptations <laughs> or non-Western media adaptations. They either just don't hire people who care enough to translate it into a Western-friendly version or translate it, like, a video game into a movie. Uh Or, yes, people who are passionate about the original property get brought on to work on it, and then the executives just strangle the project until it's bland and boring (sighs) and mass-produced. So it's a no-win situation, like, either way.
0: In short, the Netflix live-action is hot trash i did not watch it sober
1: it's really bad it's really 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 bad the literally the only thing that it has going for it is william defoe is is william (laughs) (laughs) defoe that's it (laughs) and the fact that the guy who plays l is black
0: it was a very interesting decision and is it keith stanfield Yes,
1: it's Lakeith Stanfield. Who
0: like incredible actor. He was in fucking Get Out, he was in Sorry to Bother You.
1: Yeah. But like oh, literally man. Lakeith and DeFoe are the only redeeming parts about this movie through no fault of their own. Like it's the fact that they're good actors.
0: <laughs> yeah, but like it's so fucking tragic cuz the concept of light or L being black was so so cool and to cast Lakeith Stanfield who's such a great actor was such a good idea. But oh god, the whole movie is so
1: bad that they cannot save it. It's awful. A mess. (laughs) Like, it's unsavable. It's Mm -hmm. awful. It's terrible. And finally, for a quick synopsis for the people who still may have not seen it, but are tuning in because they are supporting us. Yeah, they are still here 20 minutes later. (laughs) The story of Death Note goes as follows. It follows our main character, Light Yagami. Teen genius, that's debatable, who discovers a mysterious notebook, the Death Note, which belonged to the Shinigami, death spirit, death god, uh, Ryuk. And this Death Note grants the user the supernatural ability to kill anyone whose name is written in its pages. The series centers around Light's subsequent attempts to use the Death Note to carry out worldwide massacres of individuals who he deems immoral... With the goal of creating a crime-free society. And he eventually gains the alias Kira, which is just... It's a loan word, it's just killer. Mm -hmm. And it's just how they translated killer into Japanese. So it's Kira. And he gets like a cult following him of people who believe that he's doing the right thing. And it's also about the subsequent efforts of an elite Japanese... Police force led by the detective L to apprehend this vigilante killer, Kira. There are so many fucking characters in this show. Straight up. Honestly, you could spend like the next
0: like 40 minutes just listing characters. There are so many.
1: There are so many. I'm going to list the most relevant ones and just talk a little bit about them and their role in the story and. I guess sort of fandom interpretations of them, or at least people projecting onto them. Mm. I mean, like, let's let's be real. But this episode, like, I'm mostly going to be talking about the characters and, like, the story of the show. And not, maybe some of the themes, but, like, good lord. The deep dives <laughs> of all the symbolism is truly another thing. Oh, yeah. And I forgot to mention there's a light ha 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 there's a light novel called Mm -hmm. the los angeles bb murder cases which is very good i have it there's the musical and then there's like a handful of video games as far as other media properties for death note go okay so let's start with our i i don't think i would call him my favorite problematic boy but Uh. (laughs) so the main character is light yagami he's the main protagonist after discovering the death note, he decides to use it to rid the world of who he, important point, who he deems as criminals. This kid's 18. No, wait, he's like 17 at he's the start of the He's 17 when show. It
0: starts, because he's still in high school.
1: This kid's 17. So that's already a, a bad thing. His killings are eventually, like, labeled by the people of Japan as Kira. He That's his moniker for all of this murdering that he's doing. Mm -hmm. So first off, if this was a modern series, he'd be a a 4chan (laughs) fuckboy.
0: Oh god, you know what I just realized? He's like, he would be cute. Because he could have just used the death note to anonymously kill people he didn't like. He could have just made it all just look like a bunch of accidents that all of these bad people were dying Uh, for no reason. But he very deliberately sets out to make it clear that something is going on so that people will take notice.
1: Yeah. Like he knows he can make it look like accidents because that's how he tests the fucking thing out.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. But like QAnon, he wants to do something and he wants a following. So he makes a big production out of what he's doing. And it's interesting because unlike unlike Q, he doesn't have his own platform where he speaks directly to people, but people kind of interpret what his intention is.
1: Yeah, and they sort of flock to him anyway. Yeah. Despite the difference being that, yeah, in Death Note, Light does not ever directly talk to any of his followers, barring, like, two specific people who he sort of deems as, like, his heirs or helpers. Mm -hmm. But, like, for the masses that are like, yeah, he's doing the right thing. He doesn't talk to any of them. He actually doesn't even fucking care about them. Mm -hmm. Light doesn't care about anyone except for himself. Yep. (laughs) He's the worst. He's 17 with a god complex. It's an interesting vehicle for a story because being a teenager in Japan is much different from, in especially in the early 2000s, completely different from being an early 2000s white teenager in America. Mm-hmm. However, the path that Light takes is very literally 4chan fuckboy. Like... He wants to be oppressed so bad, and he thinks that he's the only one who knows how to do anything correctly. Mm -hmm. He has an inflated sense of ego. He has a god complex. He's the son of a police chief, so he already has an incredibly warped sense of justice to begin with. It's interesting because
0: his father has a very, like by-the-book sense of justice. Yeah. And one thing that I think, like, if you do not examine Light too carefully in that first episode when Rook finally shows up, because Light finds the Death Note and then Rook shows up to be like, hey. Yeah, there's,
1: like, a week. And then he shows up, he's like, hello, m- bonjour, <laughs> motherfucker.
0: <laughs> and if you do not examine Light's morality too closely, yeah, when he says... You know, most people when they're asked like, "Should we kill certain people?" they say no, but secretly they think yes. He's supposed to be the one who says what everybody's thinking,
1: but he's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: I love Rook because he's like very chaotic, neutral. I think, or just neutral. But mm-hmm. he very explicitly asks Light: "Okay, you have this vision for a utopia. What happens when you're you're the only bastard left? Like, what happens when everyone evil is yeah. dead and it's just you? And he and Light's pretty much like." I'll deal with that later.
1: (laughs) Yeah, again, he's 17. He doesn't have any sort of long-term planning. He does not have the capacity for. He's 17. (laughs) I will say, though, that I do like his interpretation in the musical a lot. Mm -hmm. There's a good, like, half an hour of the show where we actually get to see him act more like a teenager. Like, he takes Hmm. his little sister to a concert. Like... (laughs) And getting to see him be more of this baby-faced 17-year-old that he's supposed to be mm-hmm. does genuinely make it hurt more when he has the fall from grace and, you know, goes buck wild with power. Mm-hmm. So I do actually really like that in the musical. I think they did a good job with his interpretation because it's it's really nice to see the focus on someone, Jesus Christ, remembering that this kid is a kid. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because,
0: like, Light's supposed to be a very popular pretty
1: boy at school, but he has yeah. no friends. <laughs> like. No, he has no friends. Because he's not through any fault of, of like, other people. Because yeah. people clearly like him and, uh-huh. like, want to hang out with him. Like, he, there's a couple of times where he uses his classmates for an alibi and, like, goes on dates. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not that other people don't like him, it's that he thinks he's better than everyone else, so he avoids hanging out with people. God, he's so obnoxious. It's so obnoxious. (laughs) He's the worst. My notes literally say, boo, we hate your dick. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I hate him so much. He's literally insufferable, and, like, that's the point. The Mm -hmm. point is that he's this insufferable bastard, and we're stuck with him (laughs) (laughs) as the vehicle for the storytelling. Because... It wouldn't have worked with anyone else who didn't have that inflated sense of ego, a burgeoning god complex, and a warped sense of justice. It's Mm -hmm. sort of this perfect storm of bad traits that sort of coalesced into, if he hadn't been given this power, he probably would have still been an asshole, but he would have turned out fine. I
0: mean, he probably would have been a cop.
1: He would have been a cop, but like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, he'd still be an asshole, but yeah. he wouldn't be a mass murderer to the same extent, because I'm pretty sure cops in Japan don't have guns. Yeah. Or at least didn't in 2003.
0: <laughs> well, I think they have a much, much stricter gun policy.
1: They also do.
0: Yeah. There's, like, a whole, like, roll around using your weapon. Yeah. It's very much a last resort thing. It's a huge deal if you end up using a firearm.
1: Yeah, it's definitely tied up a lot more in legality and paperwork. God, if only. If Mm -hmm. only. Mm -hmm. If only we could have that. So yeah, like, Ryuk even says to him, Dude, I didn't choose you. You're not special.
0: He literally says, like, Light's like, Oh, why did you choose me? And Ryuk's like, Oh, I just dropped it. You're the motherfucker who picked it up.
1: Ryuk's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I didn't choose anyone. And I'll go into Ryuk before I talk about any other characters because he deserves a conversation. I love him with all my heart.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. But literally, none of this is divine providence. None of this is like a predetermined destiny. Literally anyone else that day could have picked up this notebook. Mm -hmm. And it just happened to be this perfect storm of just this kid with a bunch of shitty traits that turned him into a mass murderer and lead to his downfall and mental instability. Mm-hmm. My notes also say, Jesus Christ, none of this would have happened if he just masturbated more, to be <laughs> honest. And I stand by that. I think if he fucked, like, <laughs> I think if he fucked, he would none of this would have happened. Truly. Yeah.
0: I'm just thinking about that one. Cause at one point he becomes a suspect and yeah, the police, team in charge of trying to catch Kia puts cameras in his house. And to avoid suspicion, he, like, acts normal for a couple weeks. But one way he does that is that he hides a stash of porn in his room. But, like, he will, like, get the magazine, go lie in his bed, and just flip through the pages (laughs) just look at
1: these, like, like, half-naked girls for, like, an hour and not do anything else. So, like, okay, case for... In case for asexuality, sure. But, like, literally, like, I'm sitting there doing my rewatch with Jack, who was, you know, a shitlord teenage boy at some point. (laughs) And he's just sitting there. And he's just like, if someone had sucked his dick, none of this would have happened. And I was like, you're right.
0: (laughs) I think there's (laughs) an argument to be made for, like, being an asexual character. But also, like, I think it's very funny how he attempts to, like, play act at being a heterosexual, which I, you know, I can relate oh, to. I also put a poster of Taylor Lautner on my wall thinking that's what I was supposed to do.
1: Yes. Last point before I move on to the other characters. He is so clearly repre- like coded to be a repressed gay. This kid is the gayest motherfucker ever. <laughs> He's so gay.
0: The only person I think he has like a, I don't want to say healthy, but like actual compelling relationship with is L.
1: Yeah. Rivals to lovers back to enemies, baby. So the whole thing is that later in the series, he gets, like, a quote-unquote long-term girlfriend. She's actually, like, the second Kira and, like, also has a death note and helps him out with the murdering and all that shit. But he hates her. (laughs) He has no interest in dating her, no interest in fucking her. He's literally only using her for the fact that she has a death note. Yep. Two. You know who he has chemistry with? The weird detective... Who's trying to put him in jail forever. (laughs) And who is, quote unquote, the only person in the show that is as smart as him. That's debatable. There are several other smart characters, but they're smart in different ways. So Mm -hmm. Light immediately dismisses them. But this kid is so fucking repressed. (laughs) He's so deep in the closet, he's gone past Narnia at this point. (laughs) Like, Jesus Christ. Anyway, that's that on that. (laughs) So skipping down my my notes slightly to talk about Ryuk. Ryuk is a Shinigami. He usually lives in the Shinigami realm where there are a bunch of other, you know, death spirits, death gods that are all very bored. It's a realm of stagnation. Like nothing ever happens. Nothing ever, ever changes. So he gets really bored and is a shitlord. But in a fun way. So he drops his notebook down to the human world. And this isn't the first time he's done it either. That's hinted at in some of his dialogue with Light that every so often, like, a death note has dropped to Earth. But when you consider the characterizations of the other Shinigami, it's very clear that it's usually just Ryuk dropping his several times. And so he drops it this time to have fun because he's bored as shit. And he gets picked up by Light. And then... For the entire time that Light is alive and using the Death Note, Ryuk is stuck in the human world. Like, that's sort of the trade-off for the Death Note, is humans get to use it to kill people, cause chaos, whatever they want to do. But the Shinigami who owns it is stuck on Earth until the human who is using it either passes it on, gives it up, or dies. Which is fine for him, because he doesn't want to go back, because he's bored. He's honestly true neutral, I feel. Like, he has elements of chaos, but he really only cares about himself. Mm -hmm. And, like, making sure he's entertained. I think that's so good when played off with someone who is, at least to himself, like, Light thinks he's lawful, he's lawful evil, (laughs) Ryuk is true neutral, and L is... I'd say lawful good. He's lawful good with elements of lawful evil, because mm-hmm. he is willing to do whatever to solve the case and put the criminal behind bars. Mm-hmm. But it's a nice, interesting sort of dichotomy between someone who's so convinced of his own ideals that he's doing the right thing through evil means, and then this dude that just, just doesn't fucking care. He's just... Along for the ride. What I I like about Rook is that he's also
0: a weirdo for Shinigami because all the other Shinigami in their world are bored out of their minds, but they've kind of resigned themselves to, like, playing the Mm -hmm. same dice games over and over again and just, like...
1: Yeah, they don't do anything about it.
0: Yeah, the way they keep living is by killing people in the human world and then taking the rest of their life, I guess, to sustain them. And Rook is the one who... He's not supposed to care about humans, but he does. And he yeah. decides to drop his death note just to have a good time. It was pretty much like a way yeah. to waste a couple of years.
1: Yeah. And it's clear that he does it every so often
0: mm-hmm.
1: within centuries, of course. But I really love the the dichotomy of Ryuk compared to the rest of the Shinigami, especially mm-hmm. uh, I think it's I honestly think it's on one of the first chapters that he's like shows up. But he talks about how like... The other Shinigami will make fun of one of them for working too hard if Mm -hmm. they write more than one name every couple hundred years. (laughs) And they'll get shit on for like, oh, stop working too hard. Mm -hmm. So the Shinigami realm was always honestly the most interesting part of the series because we never really find out anything more about it Mm -hmm. or the rest of the death gods barring Rem, Mm -hmm. who also ends up coming to Earth. But like... I was wanted to know more about the death gods. I wanted to, was, like, this always a realm of stagnation and fucking sloth and nothing changing? Mm -hmm. Or did it used to be much more lively? Were there more death gods? How do they reproduce? Do they just spring up into being? Did they get replaced when one actually ends up dying? Is Mm -hmm. a new one suddenly formed? Like, we don't find out any of that shit. I want to know. I want to know.
0: I think it also works for the story, though, to have that. All these unanswered questions.
1: Yeah, have you seen Ruk's original character design? No. Oh no. I know of the prototype chapter, but like, I don't remember Ruk's design. Oh shit. I'm gonna set it too. Okay. Oh yes, I remember. Yes. Oh god, he's like a hot little Frankenstein boy. Yeah, they went from like Franken twink to like weird fish clown. Yeah. <laughs> Bug-eyed. Like, he doesn't look human. Yeah. Like, the kind of character that it makes sense that
0: Willem Defoe ended up voicing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, the thing, the thing about the Shinigami is they all look very different, and they look very noticeably not human. Like, Ryuk is very tall. He has elongated limbs. He has, like, sort of a raven bird motif. He did retain some of, like, the stitching from his prototype design. Like, he's got, like, the Frankenstein stitching around his neck. Mm-hmm. But, like... I forgot that this prototype design was Twink Frankenstein. Jesus Christ! I, Frank and Twink. I had legitimately Frank and Twink. I had legitimately <laughs> forgotten. And he's got like weird bug eyes that are bright yellow and like stick out of his head, and like sharp teeth. He's got like this weird cackling voice. I feel like this
0: original Rook would be the kind that like everyone would ship him with Light.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would have been the top pairing instead of L Light if Ryuk had looked like this. Still. Mm-hmm. Thank God <laughs> that he does not. I don't actually think they ship Ryuk with anyone. I mean, some people may have shipped Ryuk with Light, but like that never was a big thing. It was always. Oh, I'm L and sure Light.
0: there is someone who has shipped them together. This is a big world with a lot of horny people in it, so it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. But I think it's like it takes an extra layer of creativity to make that work.
1: Listen, like I'm, I am a self-proclaimed monster fucker, and I don't <laughs> even like ship Ryuk with anyone. Like he, I doesn't do it for me. <laughs> I love him as a character, though. Mm -hmm. He is incredible. His voice is, like, grating and and high-pitched and, like...
0: He sounds like a chain smoker.
1: He's both, like, weirdly high-pitched and sounds like a chain smoker. He cackles instead of laughs. He's an asshole. He finds everything funny. He refuses to help light half the time, which is the best part. (laughs) He's like... You made your bed fucking laying and I'm just here to watch you. (laughs) Like, there are times when he could help Light and he pointedly refuses to, Mm -hmm. which is great. And then Light's stuck with him and he hates it. And it's like, suffer, bitch. (laughs) I know that there was a theory. And I... It's literally been years since this show was, like, currently coming out, popular content. Being apparently people are getting back into it in this year of our Lord 2021, like I did. But... I know that a very popular fan theory was Ryuk straight up tells Light that because he used the Death Note, when Light dies, he's not going to heaven or hell. He's going to nothing.
0: hmm. I think actually he says that there are no consequences for using the Death Note. Like, I'm not going to take your soul or anything, but don't yeah. think that any human that uses the Death Note can go to heaven or hell. Conveniently omitting the fact that, like, that's because there isn't
1: a heaven or hell. Yeah, as far as we know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in this universe. But, yeah, I think the theory was that, like, people speculated that, oh, maybe it means that people who use the Death Note become Shinigami.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always really liked that theory because, like, with the amount of Shinigami there are and the amount that a Death Note has found its way to Earth, Mm -hmm. it makes sense that that's where you would go. Like, literally not as a reward or anything, because literally there's nothing good about being in the Shinigami realm. It Mm -hmm. is boring. So, like, it's not like it's a reward or anything. It just, it seems like it would be an interesting way to self-propagate, because I don't think they, fuck. (laughs) I don't, I, I don't think they produce sexually. So I think that propagating by every so often, like, if, if, a human happens to use a death note and then dies after using it. Maybe they become a new Shinigami. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was fun and interesting. Yeah, me too. But yeah, I love Rook. I... Oh god, my notes. Uh, he is the one of the best parts of the show. <laughs> I wrote, just wants to watch the world burn to be entertained. And I think that's very sexy of him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true.
1: Going back to the musical... Like, I know I haven't talked about the live-action movies or anything. Like, they're genuinely not that different. They're, like, a couple of small details, but they really, truly, mostly follow the plot of the manga. Mm -hmm. The musical, Ryuk's actor in the original Japanese production, he's brilliant. He's this, like, mid-40s, clear character act- theater character actor. (laughs) And he's just an asshole. (laughs) The songs for Ryuk are really good. I'm really sad that he only gets two. Mm. He gets one, which is a duet with Rem. And then he gets one solo one, which is making fun of Light. He literally sings about, hey, I love that all these people think that you're some, like, big hotshot, but you're really just, like, the bratty kid of a police chief. And, like, (laughs) chef's kiss. It's very good. But the physical comedy of Ryuk in the musical is incredible. Mm. Because... Shinigami cannot be seen by people who haven't touched the Death Note that they're connected to. Mm-hmm. So, Light's the only one who can see Ryuk, and in the musical, it ends up with the scene where the stage is transitioning and he's just fucking around doing his thing, munching on an apple, And he's on stage when, like, Misa's concert starts and has to dodge around the backup dancers (laughs) and, like, run off stage. And it's just, it's very good. I wish the show did more of that, honestly. Mm -hmm. But I know that the show is, it's more serious despite the certain brevity of, like, Ryuk making a joke. But it is a very dramatic, not really funny show. Mm. Now that I've talked about Ryuk. The other, like, honestly main character who is L, who is, that's Light's rival. That's the detective that's going after him. Mm -hmm. L is the world's greatest detective. He has a track record of putting in jail everyone he's ever been paid to do detective work for. Mm He's kind of like Sherlock in the way that, like, he kind of shows up
0: when no one really asked him to be there, he won't do stuff. If you ask, he has to be interested first. Yes. He has an incredible track record, but no one knows what he looks like, who he is. He uses, he speaks to people through a voice changer on a computer that his, Mm -hmm. I guess, butler
1: carries around. Yes. But also, like, because this came out in 2003 and 2006, respectively, Mm -hmm. like, the computer is, like, one of those old really bulky, like, (laughs) Like Apple computers that had like the clear backs and the screen, and then like the speakers with the three holes in them. Like, oh my god, it was a like watching it was a trip. It was a fucking ass blasted back into the past. Like,
0: it's funny that like Watari has to carry around like this big old laptop with like just an L on the screen.
1: Yeah, but so up until the Kira investigation, no one knows what he looks like except for his butler, Watari. Mm-hmm. His voice do be kind of sexy, though. Like, <laughs> listen, listen. Yeah, like, he lives on his own. He lives in solitude. Literally the only person whoever he has any contact with is his butler. That's his person in the outside world. He, like, immediately suspects light from the beginning and is, of course, correct. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, he gets beaten, which sucks. Mm-hmm. Because we want... We want to be vindicated and and watch Light get punched down an entire ladder. Mm -hmm. Because he's the worst. So, L is very... Well, first, his full name is L. Lalette. And real quick, the names in Death Note are weird. There's a lot of weird names in Death Note. If they're not in Japanese, they're fucking weird. Like, Yagami Raito is a
0: very pretty weird in Japanese also, but it's very, very funny how they try to come up with non-Japanese characters' names. Like, the like yeah. novel you were talking about, I think the BB murder
1: oh case? Oh my god. The
0: BB yep. stands Beyond for Beyond Birthday? Birthday?
1: What the fuck is that? <laughs> That's not a name. I'm gonna get sidetracked for a second just to go over the weirdness of the names, because literally any name that is not in Japanese is just fucking buck wild. <laughs> so L's full name is his name is l that's his legal name as far as we're aware because he gets looked at with shinigami eyes which show anyone who's looking at you your true name his name's l lalette what the fuck (laughs) here are some other ones quarter queen what quarter queen believe bridesmaid so here's the thing. Quarter Queen was a girl, and so like, okay, that's, you know, not terrible, Wait, right? Wait, these are like their that... legal names? These are these characters' legal names. <laughs> here's another one. Believe Bridesmaid who was a dude and apparently 44 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a real name. Do you want to know my favorite one? <laughs> backyard Bottom Slash. <laughs> oh my God. I forgot about Backyard Bottom Slash. Backyard bottom slash that was the character. Oh my God, for some reason, I thought it was like one of those jokes like b-
0: nobody says bandit Cumberbatch. They just say like something that kind of sounds like Bandit Cumberbatch. Yeah, oh my God Um hold on, I'm gonna look up. So there's this there's this 90s baseball video game where they came up with a list uh-huh. of American names. Uh-huh. oh.
1: I think I know exactly which one you're talking about. Oh my god. Some highlights. We have...
0: I can't even pronounce this. Sleeve McD-Dahil? Um Onsen Sweemy. Ray McSriff. Bobson Dugnut. <laughs> Lily Dustus, Not Justice. Dustus with a D. Mike Truck. Mike Truck! <laughs> Dwicht Wartigal. Wart- 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 Carl Dandleton, Todd Gonzales, not Gonzales, Gonzales with a B.
1: Oh my God.
0: It's so good.
1: That's incredible. But yeah, so like (laughs) names that are not Japanese in Death Note are weird was the point of that. (laughs) L also goes by a couple of pseudonyms and fake names. Mm -hmm. One of them is actually from retroactively a nod to the light novel. Mm. But when he goes by the name Ryuzaki, that's the name that Beyond Birthday, who was, like, the murderer in the novel, went by Mm. in the book. So he's using the name of a case that he worked on as his pseudonym, because he's Mm. a weirdo. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm just going to talk about the show and the manga. I'm not going to talk about any of... Besides relating to the musical, because... The light novel is honestly a whole separate beast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is the most neurodivergent motherfucker on in fucking media, genuinely. He doesn't wear shoes. He only wears a long-sleeve white shirt and jeans. He only literally eats candy and fruit. And drinks tea. And drinks tea, and maybe weighs 180 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> He's constantly, like, fiddling with stuff He, like, picks up things and holds them with, like, two fingers mm-hmm. Which was always a thing He sits scrunched up with, like, his legs pulled up When he sits down in chairs, which Did I go through a period of <laughs> emulating that and sitting like him? Absolutely amongst among us I don't know, a single fucking weeb at that time <laughs> who didn't um, I
0: like that his argument for saying it that way is that he says that he his like deductive power goes down if he sits like a normal person.
1: <laughs> yeah, literally, anytime he's questioned about any of his like, honestly, like stimming or or just genuinely different habits, because he's clearly like not a neurotypical. <laughs> he's just like my deductive powers go down if I don't do this, and everyone just lets it go. Mm-hmm. When he says that. I enjoy that about his
0: character also because it means that because he is an orphan and he's basically Mm -hmm. raised by Watari, I like that that means that Watari never tried to, like, force that out of him and just let him be weird in that way because he never would have become the person that he is without that. And I think that in another context, he might have been forced to, like, wear maybe more than, like, the same outfit for, like, 17 years or, like... Eat a vegetable, yeah. but <laughs> eat an entire vegetable. <laughs> but I think it's it's sweet. The, the, they have a sweet relationship. But I do yeah. enjoy the fact that Watari isn't concerned about turning L into like a normal person.
1: So on the on that point, that is a good point. He L grew up at like an orphanage for gifted kids, mm-hmm. and he's not the only one. He just decided that he was like, I want to be a detective when I when I grow up. And so the caretaker of the orphanage, Watari, whose real name is Quillish Whammy, which is also sort of a weird name. <laughs> I forgot. That's what they thought a British person's name sounded like. Quillish. Quillish Whammy. Oh or God. Whammy, depending. But so Elle grows up at this orphanage, and like like you were saying, it is very sweet that, like, none of his weirder traits were, you know, beaten out of him. He was allowed to be this weird kid who grew up into a weird dude mm-hmm. who was really good at solving crime and i think that's great
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> he is absolutely bastard <laughs> he's bastard but in a good way mm-hmm. in in an entirely different way from light like he's also insufferable he's a bastard but he it's tempered by the fact that he has a heart of I wouldn't say he has a heart of gold, but he is, like, a good person comparatively.
0: Which, like, the bar is on the floor compared to Light, but I think there are things... The bar is on the floor. There are things he will not resort to in the same way that Light will. Like, he'll he'll definitely do sketchy shit, like,
1: put cameras in someone's house, but... Or use someone who was on death row as, like, a proxy. Yeah.
0: So there's, like, stuff like that. He has, like, a circle of people that he genuinely cares about, which I think Light doesn't.
1: Yes, he actually has people that have gotten through whatever barriers he has up to protect himself in his line of work. And he has, like, a literal handful of people he can call his friends. Which is different from Light, who has literally no one. (laughs) Okay, can we talk about, though, why so many envies and, like, genderqueer people just had absolute gender envy for him? Like, I don't know why. It's not like he's, like, some... He's not a buff dude. He's got muscle because he does do, like, capoeira and, like, martial arts. So he's not unfit. Mm -hmm. But, like, he's just sort of this scrawny little bastard man with, like, a head full of fluffy hair and, like, dark circles under his eyes. Pale skin because he doesn't fucking go outside. (laughs) Why did so many of us have gender envy for this bastard?
0: I think it's that. What
1: the fuck? (laughs) yeah that's fair
0: he knew what his outfit was he knew what his look was he didn't give a shit about anything else other than like solving crimes basically and like that's it I think a part of like kind of being non-binary or genderqueer or whatever is kind of not really thinking about gender so much and kind of like yeah like at least the way it feels for me is that gender feels like a performance and being non-binary is kind of just like okay I'm just gonna leave I'm getting off the stage
1: now. Yeah, like, he he has big gender apathetic or, like, envy vibes, because he just didn't care. Mm-hmm. Also, I think maybe a part of it was that pining for the ability to live as authentically as yourself as possible? Mm. Question mark? <laughs> Which feels like maybe that's what most of it was. Mm, yeah, watching this weirdo being allowed to be a weirdo, mm-hmm. and then wanting to have that. Yeah, but also for those of us that wanted to be like more a little more mask for whatever reason, <laughs> we were just like, I want to be that twink. I want that twink obliterated because I'm going to steal his gender. But yeah, he's incredibly. I love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I don't have anything else to say. I love him. He's still one of my favorite characters in any anime. Honestly, mm-hmm. he was just so interesting and genuinely. Okay, I this is further down, but I did write. I did write a quote about sort of the divisiveness between like the first half of the show where mm-hmm. it focuses on the battle between El and Light, and the second half of the show when <sighs> El's dead. It's just
0: a steady decline downwards.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And why a lot of people don't like the second half of the show, and this is a quote from Brianna Lawrence of Anime News Network, explaining why many fans feel that Death Note went downhill after the defeat and subsequent death of Elle. Mm -hmm. She wrote that the introduction of Near End Mellow as Elle's protégés was an interesting idea at first, but they would have been much better characters if they had been treated as individuals and not two different halves of L.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Quote: Every volume always had to point out the fact that Light was still battling L through Near and Mello. But if Light has defeated L already, why do we want to watch him battle L all over again, but on two different fronts? Mm-hmm. Which, like, she's absolutely correct. If they had been treated as, like, their own characters separate from being L's protégés and trying to get revenge for his death, it, it would have gone over much better. Instead, they were just like, here's L again, but instead both of these kids are separated into his worst traits. <laughs> and you get to have two different halves of that at the same time instead.
0: Yeah, they're really set up to fail, especially just... Like, how do you follow up a character like L, And then also having yeah. them, like, have two different aspects of his worst personality traits, like you said, with nothing yeah. to counter
1: that. Yeah, there's truly nothing tempering them from being just awful and and insufferable.
0: <laughs> because the team that Elle puts together kind of becomes a family in a way. And Nier and mm-hmm. Mello don't really have that. Like, they're both kind of... No, very individual people that don't are so focused on the task at hand that they don't really have, I guess, the capacity to have interpersonal
1: relationships. Like, yeah, Mello kind of has like relationships. Mello has Matt, yeah, but Near doesn't have anyone. Yeah, like Near actively pushes people away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And also, I will say, a lot of that also had to do with losing out on like the specific weird chemistry between light and L because you had these two characters that were absolutely for better or for worse perfect matches for each other in terms of like intellect and ability and drive mm-hmm. specifically so even though they were rivals their chemistry as characters separate from the fact of, like, shipping outside of the canon or anything, like, was always, always more interesting than Light just being chased after by near and mellow separately. Which is unfortunate, because, like, I think as characters they could have been really cool, but, like, he's just- uh, p- eh. Also, L? Mm, gay. <coughs> well, maybe just for Light, I don't know. We did just posit the theory that he is possibly also, like, and me, but- Fellas Is it gay to wash your homies feet tenderly in the rain? I was wondering when you'd
0: bring up the like rain scene where in any other show they'd probably make out in the rain. Like they were on a rooftop. Oh my God. It starts pouring rain. Where where they have like this very intense conversation. Where's the smoochin? Like it would have made way more sense if they kissed.
1: It's also my favorite because Ella's standing out in the rain and, like, pretends not to hear light. So, light is, like, forced to come and get him. Oh, my God. Because Ella's also a shitlord. <laughs> and then they go back inside. I know I said I wouldn't get into the imagery and symbolism, but it's literally, like, the fucking Judas washing Jesus' feet or whatever the other way around. But, like, L tenderly, like dries off Light's feet and is, like, crouching and there's just water dripping from their hair and they're having this intense conversation and this is literally leading up within the next 10 minutes to Elle dying in Light's arms.
0: There's no heterosexual explanation for those.
1: <sighs> there's literally no heterosexual explanation. Like, I don't know how anyone could read that as straight. It's like, al- truly. <laughs> it's
0: also funny how, like, I know the kind of comparison there is between, like, Judas and Jesus and, like, it's right before El dies, like the way that Judas kisses Jesus right before he, like, condemns Jesus to death. But also, like, who's yeah. to say that, um, I mean, how straight is it really for a dude and his 12 buddies to hang around all the time? But anyway.
1: Oh, you know they were fucking. <laughs> like, it, it, he hung out with lepers and whores. You didn't think he also hung out with the gays? Come on. <laughs> Damn. Jesus was a homie. I respect him. Canon Jesus, not fan in Jesus, <laughs> but that's also a whole nother topic. I can talk about that next episode. I mean, there's also the sheer homoeroticism of a tennis match. Oh, like, God. So lights at college, and L sort of like follows him and is like, "I'm gonna enroll in this college to also tail you because I think you're Kira, and I'm correct, but I don't know that until I die." L's also like 24, 25. Oh, is he? In terms of age differences, yeah. He's, like, 24, 25. Which is weird that we're that age now. And I don't like that. I don't like thinking about that. Stop. It's no, weird. I thought I thought he was, like, 17. L, No. Yeah. He's, like, 24, 25. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. But L's just like, hey, I heard that you did tennis and were, like, a, a minor champion when you were in high school. And it's like, yeah, sure, but I haven't done it in for a while because I had to go to cram school because that's a thing in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so L's like... tennis? And Light's like, (laughs) sure. And it turns out later that, like, L was, like, a junior champion back in England and stuff, too, so he's also very good. And it's just this intense, like, three-minute tennis scene, and they're both having these deep internal monologues talking about how they're gonna beat each other and, like, figure out what the other one wants. Yeah,
0: because L very strategically, the moment they met, told Light that he was L. So then, like, yeah. Light is here playing this tennis match, but also thinking, like, what's the implication if I win? What's the implication if I lose?
1: Yeah, it's 40 chess.
0: Oh God, 40
1: chess. Ella's very upfront with the fact that he like suspects Light the mm-hmm. entire time, and so that's also like the tension in the tennis match. And just listen in the musical, there's an entire song going on while they do the tennis match. And the tennis rackets are coded their colors from the <laughs> anime because, of course, there's color symbolism. Mm-hmm. And Light, whenever he's in, like, Kira mode and we hear his inner thoughts, he's colored red. Mm-hmm. And L, when we're in his thoughts, he's blue. Their rackets are red and blue in the, in the musical. And they're just... They're singing about how they're gonna get into each other's heads and, like, see what they see and mm-hmm. playing each other's game. Mm-hmm. And it's... Who, oh but it's gay it's gay <laughs> gay gay homosexual gay oh i also like
0: the whole kind of college arc when yeah when they go to that university on the opening day or something they are both asked to do speeches because they both got perfect scores on the entrance exam yeah and it's really funny because mm-hmm. there's this random female character in the audience who's like oh that guy's kind of hot as Light and Elle are both walking on stage. And her friend's like, oh, you mean like the brown haired guy? And she means Light. And this girl's like, no, 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 the uh, scrawny twink next to him. Which is very funny because I feel like that girl who was into Elle was the fandom.
1: Yeah. That girl was all of us, honestly. She had good taste. It's fine. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Okay, so... there are a couple of female characters that I will talk about in the next episode because they deserve their own conversation and focus. Because literally every female character in Death Note deserved better. God, they did. But skipping ahead real quick, Sochiro is Light's dad. A cab. He's not a bad dude, but a cab. Mm-hmm. Could he have been a better a better dad? Yes. Was he a very traditional older Japanese man? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Unfortunately.
1: Unfortunately. I did like his characterization in the musical. It was shown a lot more how very much he deeply loved his son Mm -hmm. and, like, cared about him and felt that if Light was actually Kira, it was his own personal failing for not raising his son properly. Mm -hmm. He deserved a better son. That's... He deserved a better son. I feel bad for him. There's
0: a certain degree to where, like, some of it is the parents' fault for just not being there for their child. And some of it is just inherently, this was the person that, like, was. And, like, maybe he could (laughs) have mitigated that by, like,
1: not working so much. Being around more, but also, like, that's not the culture, unfortunately. So that also ties into the fact that, like, it has a lot to do with both the just societal structure of how things go in Japan in terms of parents and children and work relationships and just all of that combining Mm -hmm. to make again the perfect storm of light being mentally ill but not in a sexy way (laughs) (laughs) not like us
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think also like yeah part of it might have been a nurture issue but there are also plenty of people who have lots of brain issues that do not become mass murderers
1: so some of it's on him exactly a lot of it is you know nature versus nurture and it is a combination of the two that results in light which is something that comes up a lot in true crime Mm -hmm. because i do have an interest in true crime i I am looking into going back to school to be a forensic pathologist but there is always the argument of nature versus nurture in regards to serial killers Mm -hmm. and (laughs) light is a serial killer so this conversation applies but it usually ends up being a combination of the two like Someone who was predispositioned or had genetic passed on mental health issues. If they had had a stable childhood, they would have turned out fine. But they didn't. That's what it usually ends up being, is a combination of the two. How much
0: grace we have for people that we deem to be deserving of that. Whether it's, like, let's say in the US, if you're a cishet white dude people are a lot less likely to believe that you could potentially be a serial killer when statistically, you're more likely to be a serial killer. (laughs) Guess what the fucking percentage
1: is for that?
0: Yeah. Like, fucking, was it Ted Bundy who was like, there are so many avenues where they could have caught him just doing terrible shit. And it's not that, like, the cops are smart enough to catch him. It's that... There were so many opportunities to catch him and they just fucking didn't.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing. He wasn't even a smart guy. He wasn't. Like, he wasn't a smart dude. He legitimately didn't get caught for so long by a combination of dumb luck mm-hmm. and the fact that he was a cis white dude who was middle class. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. That's literally it. He was not a smart guy. He was not this some sort of savant genius that people like to paint him as. Mm-hmm. He was just an asshole. And that applies here, is that, like, if Light had had more support, I feel like this wouldn't have happened.
0: I think he might have been an asshole in, like, a different way. I think it it depends on, like, how much power- Oh, he would have still been an asshole. I think it depends on how much power he would have been given. But, like- Yeah. It is also interesting having, like, this kind of, I guess, kind of mythical serial killer of, like- The guy who's such a genius that he can never be caught.
1: Yeah. And literally people can be smart, but usually it's the failing of a system instead of one specific person being intelligent enough, Mm -hmm. you know, but the other characters I'm just going to go over real quick. Matsuda is one of the members of the Kira investigation team. He's kind of like the underdog and gets dunked on for being (laughs) the youngest member on the team. He's there the entire time. He's there for the whole story. Mm-hmm. He becomes really important in the second arc. He's an idiot, and I love him, <laughs> Your Honor. That's all I'm going to talk about him, because truly he's not important until you start talking about the second arc of the show. Mm-hmm. Nier, like we were talking about earlier, is one of the two successors to L. He is also uh, incredibly neurodivergent, but like, does not care about having friends or being tempered by people He's a kid, mm-hmm. which also sucks that he got such a negative reaction like he is a child. yeah. But he's also, like, ruthless in comparison to Elle. Mm-hmm. Like, Elle had self-imposed limits. Near does not mm-hmm. have any, it feels like. <laughs> My notes are, does anyone actually like him? I like his puppets. <laughs> I like his aesthetic. I liked his aesthetic. I thought he was an interesting character instead of... L's ticks for like his thing being sweets Nir's thing is he's got fidget toys Mm -hmm. he's got fidget toys and stimming toys he's got finger puppets he's got Legos he's got
0: a puzzle that's all white pieces
1: yeah cause he's that kind of asshole (laughs) but he's the one who eventually succeeds in capturing in confronting light for being Kira Mm -hmm. and like backing light into a corner enough that light panics and makes a fatal mistake. Mm -hmm. I feel bad that he didn't, you know, get any sort of recognition for what an interesting character he could have been because he suffered from being in the later half of the story, which was a slog to get through, (laughs) and I'm not the only one that thinks that. Like, that's a really big held criticism in most of the fandom mm-hmm. is that like the second arc is rough mm-hmm. to get through it's it doesn't flow as good and it it gets hung up a lot on a lot of really tiny shit then there's mellow who is the second half of l's successors they both grew up at the same orphanage he did he's a couple years older than near though i think he's like a teenager mm-hmm. he's got anger issues
0: oh does he <laughs>
1: His bad trait is he's got untempered anger issues. <laughs> he also has, like, a really weird obsession and, like, an inferiority complex. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got an obsession for being better than Near, and that sort of is what prompts him to chase after Kira. Because Nier is officially named El's successor, mm-hmm. but Mello has this weird inferiority complex and obsession with being better than Nier. So he goes out and, like, tries to catch light on his own anyway. Mm-hmm. My notes say he's anger issues personified and he's too busy doing hot girl shit. (laughs) Honestly, though, like his whole aesthetic is sexy. (laughs) It's like, it's good. It's all leather. He eats chocolate, so he inherited the sweet eating Mm -hmm. from Elle. But he's got this weird like leather vest, leather pants. He's got blonde hair. He's also an interesting character that suffers from being in the second half of the show. Mm -hmm. He is, however interesting in the fact that he joins the American mafia to use them to catch Kira oh, yeah, which was a weird that. choice yeah. it's an interesting choice there's also I forget how he gets his burn scar but like for the second half of his appearance he's got like this huge burn scar mm-hmm. that was also a really cool character thing that just was never really explored because there were too many characters by the second half of the show and manga mm-hmm And the last one I'm going to talk about, because who the fuck cares about Teru? Like, I don't even remember him. Who? Hate him. He's the delete guy. Uh, I don't even remember him. (laughs) I don't even remember him. Besides the delete thing. Yeah, I
0: brought him up in an episode and you were like, who the fuck is that? He's such a forgettable character. It's so funny.
1: He really is. He's
0: so obsessed with Light. And that's that's exactly the kind of person that Light needs and loves to exploit. Because Miso is the same way. Like, she would do anything for Light because, like, she will blindly follow him off a cliff and he will fully yeah. exploit that. And what's his name? Teru?
1: Yeah, Teru Mikami.
0: Yeah. So so Mikami will follow him off a cliff if he asks.
1: Yeah. So Mikami is just another one of Kira's followers. He ends up getting his hands on a death note and, like, helps Light murder people. He's incredibly boring. And I his one trait is yelling, delete! While he writes people's names in the death note, that's what anyone remembers him for. <laughs> My notes on him are literally, I don't remember this dude, <laughs> fellow 4 chaner
0: <laughs> Like, the only reason why he's even halfway memorable is because he's there at the very end, and he's one of the reasons why, like, gets caught. And it's funny, because I think the yeah. police peg him as a suspect and try to follow him, but he has, like, the most... Boring existence of any personal life. Like, he gets up at the same time every day. He gets on the train at the same time every day. He goes to work. He leaves work. He has, I think, he has like the same lunch every day. He has like such a strict, exact
1: schedule and never deviates from it. Yeah. He's so fucking boring. (laughs) I don't know anyone who likes him. Legitimately, I did not remember him. (laughs) My notes for him end, would I fist fight him? Yes, absolutely. He's a punk ass bitch. I could take him in a fight. He has no body mass. I hate him. He's literally the worst. He's like a greasy 4 chaner. Genuinely. Comparing that though, comparing this character that like actually got screen time, was an important plot point, lasted for the last couple of volumes. Compare that to this character whose name is Matt, who is Mello's BFF. Mm -hmm. Now here's the thing about Matt. He's one of my favorite characters. He's a lot of people's favorite character. Do you know how long he was on screen in the anime for? Uh, I want to say like ten- Literally a minute. What? He has a minute of screen time <laughs> in the show. And people love him.
0: Yeah, like I remember Matt more than I remember to like the guy who causes Light's downfall.
1: Yeah. So here, that's the big difference is people love this character named Matt. He was this quiet sort of dude. He had, like, a shaggy long bowl cut and, like, a striped shirt. He also grew up at the orphanage that Mello, Nier, and Elle did. But he had no interest in, like, taking over Elle's position. He just wanted to, like, do hot girl shit and be a (laughs) hacker and play video games. So people loved him. He's, like, a chain smoker- he immediately dropped everything to go help Mello. So he- you know he's a ride or die, bitch. Mm-hmm. You know he's a ride or die, homie. <laughs> my notes are, it's my episode and I get to talk about the characters <laughs> I like specifically. <laughs> and I love him. He was my first cosplay ever. <laughs> there are no pictures and I'm really sad about it. It wasn't
0: that good. but It was funny to me how popular Matt was. Considering he's like a blinker, you'll miss it character. He like barely shows up. Yeah.
1: I think maybe he has at least, he's got under 10 pages of panels in the manga, but that's a little better than literally the minute of screen time in the anime. (laughs) And people loved him because he was this cool, interesting character that showed up for like a hot minute, tried to kidnap someone, got shot, spends his literal last breath trying to smoke his cigarette. (laughs) Like... He was so compelling that people, he's still people's favorite character, and he gets a lot of fan art, fan fiction, cosplays, like, still, mm-hmm. because people are obsessed with who he could have been and who he was. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, probably Mello's boyfriend at some point. Like, come on. The author described Matt as the most talented member of the orphanage, like, more talented than Niran Mello, however, he's just lazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, mood.
1: Yeah. A kind of funky fact, which is sort of a remnant of the time period that Death Note came out in, is that Matt's official hair color is brown mm-hmm. and his eye colors are blue, but fan art almost always depicts him with red hair and green eyes, and that's because as soon as he showed up in the manga, he became rapidly popular. And so people agreed on a color scheme especially like for doujinshi and stuff mm-hmm. before he got an official color scheme in the anime. Uh. <laughs> but also like why red and green who the fuck knows. <laughs> it was 2006, but he had red hair and green eyes in like fanon colors and his shirt was usually colored white and black, mm-hmm. I believe, instead of red and black it was in the show. Mm or reverse those. I genuinely can't remember off the top of my head. I think head.
0: they they messed up his colors in the anime too. Because I faintly remember that he had a specific color scheme.
1: You may be thinking of the fan color scheme. Yeah, I might be. Because he did not get an official color scheme until the, the anime. So everyone drew him with red hair and green eyes and then the white and black striped shirt.
0: I'm looking at the um Death Note wiki. Matt's appearance was a total of 18 panels in the manga. And yep. two episodes of the anime, though only for a few minutes, in a non-speaking cameo yeah. in episode 32 and a speaking role in episode 35. And that's it. Yeah. Wait, Matt's real name is Male Jeevas?
1: Yes. Oh, <laughs> did I not? Yeah. So his real name is Mel Jeevas. Melo's real name is mihail Keel. And near's Nir- real name is literally the only Americanized name that's fucking normal. And it's Nate River. <laughs> Everyone else has weird-ass names, but, yeah. So, he's the most interesting character in the entire show, (laughs) and people love him, and he has literally a minute of screen time split between two episodes, (laughs) compared to literally a plot-relevant character, who no one gives a shit about. That's hilarious. Yeah, but yeah, this is a very long episode and it's uh, literally just about like a handful of characters, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so next episode I will talk about specifically, and I, I did mention this a little bit earlier, but I will talk about the several female characters in Death Note. They deserve their own episode mm-hmm. because they deserved better than what they got completely. They absolutely deserved better. This includes Light's mom, his sister, Naomi, Misa and Rem. Like, they deserved better than what they got. Mm -hmm. Literally one of my biggest criticisms for Death Note is the fact that every female character besides Misa, although she didn't have a great time, was expendable to an extent. Mm -hmm. None of them were there as agents of their own story. They were literally just there to further lights.
0: I'm trying to think of a female character that wasn't in any way related to a man. Because I thought of Naomi, but the only reason she goes after Kira... I think she might have joined Elle's team eventually, but like, Kira kills her husband, so then she like tries yeah. to find out who Kira is and gets murdered. Spoilers.
1: Yeah, it's even worse for Naomi specifically because she is the main character of the light novel, and we mm-hmm. get to see her be a competent FBI agent. Mm-hmm. And then in the show, we get one and a half episode runtime total of her fumbling around and then getting murdered and it's a shame it sucks
0: you can see how good she is because she's one of the first people to see through whatever light's doing but she gets yeah. too close and like the story has to get rid of her because she's getting too close to the tr- like this show could have ended in six episodes just because of naomi
1: yeah and I'll t- i'll talk about this more next episode but the problem was she was killed off because she was a legitimate threat mm-hmm. to light but it just, it sucks, especially after seeing her in action in the novel. But I will talk about that next time because it's hoo boy. This has been a long episode already. I told you I could talk about Death Note for an hour with incomplete notes. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. So yeah, I guess it's going to be a three-part series because Jesus Christ, this isn't even going over any of like the symbolism or metaphors or imagery. Good
0: Lord. <laughs> I think one of our very first episode ideas was like justice for Misa. Justice for Misa? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah. It's like,
1: well, might as well do it now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: want to wrap up with a what we're watching segment or have we talked yeah do so you just enough?
1: want to talk about do you just want to talk about Castlevania oh shit
0: Who <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> <laughs> dude we're like an hour 40
1: I will have to cut so
0: much of this if we keep going
1: that's true but I know that we, we both just watched Castlevania <sighs> season 4 so I'm just so
0: happy that it ended the way it did, and I don't know if like there's this yeah. trend happening of like characters having legitimately happy. Well, I guess like as happy as they can be in the context of the show, but like I've watched a couple shows recently where it hasn't ended in like horrible tragedy, which you know I appreciate, and I wonder if it's mm-hmm. like a general trend of like this era of storytelling or something. But
1: it's refreshing. I'll tell you. Oh what. yeah. Yeah, no, I was super happy with the ending of the show, and I'm really excited that there is confirmation, so far as I'm aware, that there is going to be a series that is set in the same universe, Mm. even if it's not about the same characters, Mm -hmm. which is good. I'm excited because I love Castlevania. And I think the setting is really fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see it more.
0: Yeah. Cause if it created a really fascinating universe in just Yeah. yeah. Four seasons with like
1: From a side scrolling video game. Legitimately to, and created this deep rich world uh, that was so incredibly like engaging mm-hmm. and interesting. Not gonna lie, it's really good. My
0: favorite part of season four was all the Alucard card content because
1: you know, just watching okay. I am looking Honestly, disrespectfully. I'm looking disrespectfully, but that's, you know what? He chose to not wear a shirt, so whose fault is it? Like, he
0: knows he's hot, and he's, like, so, like, it's not my fault.
1: He knows he'd be sexy, though. We're all looking disrespectfully. (laughs) It's a combination of his, like, kind of
0: feminine character design and Mm -hmm. the cape and the fucking sword is so goddamn cool. And he's so
1: extra for no reason, but it works so well. And all of his abilities, too, are abilities he has in Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is really cool. (laughs) Because I played through it when, like, the first season came out because I wanted to know more about the series and stuff. And, like... The creators of the show did a really good job at putting in little, little details and, and Easter eggs and nods to people who have played the games, especially Symphony of the Night, mm-hmm. because literally all of Alucard's abilities are things you can get in the game, mm-hmm. and it's very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also I like just, that so good.
0: anytime he talks,
1: he has this, like, really,
0: it's kind of stupid, like, low, sexy voice. <laughs> and, like, no emotion.
1: It- like, always dead, Pam. It's incredible. I love it. It's beautiful characterization. I love my beautiful, smart daughter, Saifa, mm-hmm. and her two himbos that share a single <laughs> brain cell. It's an incredible dynamic, mm-hmm. and I am really happy with the with the ending of the show. I genuinely, I really hope that the sequel series focuses on a specific character, who I'm not going to name because of spoilers, but like... Who was set up to have their big own arc of <laughs> possibly changing the world in a very significant way? Mm-hmm. That was sort of left on a cliffhanger. So I, I genuinely really hope the sequel series focuses on that. Also, the the lesbians, the lesbian vampires, they get a happy ending. They said, "Fuck you, Kim."
0: <laughs> they literally saw like the castle blowing up, and they're were like, "We're good, actually."
1: Where they were like, "Peace, we're gonna go." <laughs> I was like, yes, bitches, yes. <laughs> not our circus, not our monkeys, and left. And I was like, thank God. Detach yourself from Carmilla, please. Yeah. She's a real um gaslight gatekeep girl boss.
0: She is a gaslight gatekeep
1: girl boss. <laughs> That's her whole thing. She has this
0: whole monologue where she talks about like the world's just full of shitty men who have all this power and don't know how to use it. And I'm like, girl, yeah, she's correct. What? but
1: but you probably shouldn't mass murder them but you're not wrong <laughs> and also her her fight scene at the end was just oh, so fucking cool. incredible yeah. like ma'am i'm looking absolutely disrespectfully <laughs> there truly is something there for all of the lgbtqs truly truly the fight scene was just not only animated incredibly it was just so visually like engaging and sexy mm-hmm. honestly all of the different night creatures and just her getting more and more and more and more unhinged mm-hmm. as it went on is just mm, so good. And then the fact that she... T- yes. And then... T- which I always love as a character choice. Mm-hmm. Is, I know all of this is going to be cut, but...
0: <laughs> Not all of it. Most of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well...
0: Yeah, I don't know, I, like, I'm like. i surprised at how much I enjoyed Castlevania, considering I was so cautious when it was going to come out, because they build it as, like, anime, but, like, not really anime. And it also seemed yeah. kind of, like, edgy on purpose, which is kind of annoying. But, like, I feel with subsequent seasons, and I think there's, like, a season in there that was so boring that I had to drop it and then watch it when, I think, season three came out or something, because there's a season in there somewhere where it's just... Very dialogue heavy. Is this season two? Yeah, it's very dialogue heavy. Barely anything happens. It's very important to set up like the rest of the story, but oh my god.
1: Yeah, it's very... They definitely, they saw that they got 10 episodes and they were (laughs) like, we're making the most of this 10 episodes (laughs) to set up shit for the future. Mm -hmm. Because we only got eight episodes last time. (laughs) And we don't know if we're going to get a third season. Season one is four episodes. Is it? Yeah. Oh my god. Have I just fucking erased my mind?
0: It was four episodes. It was four episodes.
1: That's I'm it. I'm gonna lose my fucking... <laughs> I'm gonna lose my fucking gourd. Four episodes. So no wonder they Jesus got... right. They got...
0: Eight for season two and, like, just went wild.
1: Oh my god. Mm-hmm. No, so it's, it's literally season... Th- the first half of season three that's... Well, no, then I don't... If they don't kill Dracula until Season 2, I don't... I guess it would have been, like, the first half of Season 3? Unless you just straight up didn't like all of the dialogue with the vampires in Season (laughs) 2.
0: Yeah, I think they they don't kill Dracula until... The end of Season 2. Yeah. Which is always funny to me, because, like, they kill him, and I'm like, Alright, what the fuck next? But they did a really good job of, like, killing the major character and still having a very compelling yeah. story after that.
1: Well, that's that's also genuinely the staying power of the games is that most of them end with you killing Dracula and yet like the other characters are still interesting enough to create a story. Mm. So Dracula do be really sexy though. <laughs> like the design for Dracula is just so good. Mm. Thank you artist lady who did all of the art for Castlevania Symphony of the Night, we owe you our lives. Truly, Was her name Ayama Kojima? Yeah. Ayama Kojima, my (laughs) beloved. But yeah, she's the reason all the characters look so good is because she did all of those really beautiful Bishonen designs of all of the characters, Mm -hmm. including Dracula and Alucard.
0: She knew what she was doing.
1: That was just the staying power of the series. It's just, that became the look of Castlevania and it was honestly a very good choice mm-hmm. yeah okay so before this is like a full-on two-hour episode jesus christ <laughs> madison Verrette's talking about death note for two hours but you should probably do the outro so you don't have to <laughs> <any> cut out <laughs> a lot more than you already have to okay you can find us on
0: twitter at two eaves in a trench we're on instagram at two eaves in a trench coat you can email us at weaves in a trench at gmail.com our intro is Our Way by
1: Whitney, and our outro is What's the Angle by Shane Ivers. I'm Madison. And I'm Suzanne. And remember to gaslight gatekeep girl <laughs> boss.